0: We've been studying 1 Corinthians, and we're going to finish up uh, chapter 10, verse, I think, 23. Um, you know, in, in the church of Corinth, as I shared with you, they were, you know, Paul wrote this about 55 uh, AD. He was in Ephesus. Ephesus was such a godless pagan city, but Corinth was worse. Uh, you, you realize how much of Paul's ministry was around the most Godless, pagan people and immoral people you can find I mean he wrote he wrote four letters to the church at Corinth we only have two we know he wrote two more he wrote a letter to the church at Ephesus called Ephesians and then two other times he wrote to Timothy when he was at Ephesus he wrote stuff from Ephesus from Corinth so much of the letters of Paul are connected to these two cities and so we, what we're going to read about today is it, hard for us to grasp, it really is. I mean, America is so immersed in the Christian faith. Now, and I understand, you know, I understand the world's moving away from Christ and our country is, and I get all that. I, I, I get that. I, more, you know, as a pastor, I thoroughly understand that. But, I mean, Christianity is still the primary expression of some belief in God in our country. Even if someone's not a legitimate Christian, they still identify. I mean, still, over 70% of the people still identify themselves to some capacity with the, the Christian movement. Um, it, it's, it's ingrained in so much of what we do on our coinage, you know, the things we say, the Pledge of Allegiance. And, 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 we, st- and we still do that in places, and I, and I get some places don't. I understand all that. But Paul, you know, when you write to the Church of Corinth, Christianity was so unknown and so small. They were swallowed up with pagan worship. And to be at Corinth or Ephesus, the immorality, the gross immorality, the, the sacrificing to idols, it, it, it was just everywhere. It was their way of life. I mean, you, you, when you had... You know, you want to go out, you know, they don't have any, they did not have a lot of restaurants expecting about to eat, but when you had a celebration, you had an event, and you almost always had it at a pagan temple, or someone's house who was a pagan. I mean, they just was where they went. Everywhere you looked, there were gods and goddess statues everywhere, in temples. I mean, everywhere, it was a reminder of paganism. And so when you, you became, you left, you left paganism as a Gentile. And you became a Christian. And trust me, at Corinth and Ephesus, they were primarily Gentiles in the church. There were some Jews, but mostly Gentile. Your family, your friends, your former job, everything in that culture still surrounded you. And Christianity was just this little light in the midst of this overwhelming darkness. And how to live that life was such a challenge. We take it for granted how easy it is for us to live as a Christian in essence man it was so hard back then and so Paul deals in chapter 8, 9 and 10 he deals with the struggle they have with idolatry in chapter 8 he, he talks about the danger you know, of going to the temple to celebrate a meal even though you don't worship the idols it's, just, it's a danger And in chapter 9 he talks so much about freedom that we have and you know, he, he, he kind of he chased the rabbit a little bit to talk about him giving up his freedoms for responsibility, but that was because he knew he was going to use that later and he would need to reiterate, while well, we're free, we have to be responsible. And in chapter 10, you know, verse 14, he says, flee from idolatry. You can't, you can't have anything to do with the pagan life. By the way, it still doesn't change for us. Things that take us away from honoring God and from the Christian faith, you ought not have anything to do with that. And so we pick up in verse 23. He says, All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things If I used this earlier and I said it's probably a slogan. There's a slogan with something like, I'm a Christian, now I'm free. I can do whatever, I can live however I want because I've been saved by grace through faith. And now I'm I'm not, paganism doesn't affect me, I can do whatever I want, I'm free. And Paul says, well, everything, you know, in freedom, everything is lawful. You you could argue that, that you certainly have freedom. He says, but not everything you do is profitable or edifying. In other words, not everything you do is beneficial. You could argue that because you're a follower of Christ and you can't lose your salvation no matter what, you're going to heaven kind of argument. But in reality, not everything is for our benefit. More right now, you know, in our culture, all we hear about are people's rights. It's everywhere. And we hear very little about our responsibility and obligations. And what's sad is even in the Christian faith, we don't hear enough about the obligations we take upon ourselves as followers of Christ. So Paul deals with an issue that has been there. He says that no one seek his own good but that of his neighbor. In other words, don't just put yourself first. Think of your neighbor. What was that that Jesus says? Love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, do unto others. You would have them do unto you. The, the, you know, the idea that we put others before us is central to the Christian way of life. That is not a pagan concept. Pagans didn't live that way. Now, I hear all the time that you know, we need to be kind to people and we need to love people. But fundamentally in our culture, it is put yourself first. Everywhere you look, put yourself first. Or you can hide it and you can couch it with your rights and you can talk about, I just want to be loved or I want to be accepted or I just need to be who I am or this is how I, this is how I think. Or, I'm just being me. This is the way God made me. All that is just an excuse for people to put themselves first. And the follower of Christ. <laughs> we have to put others first. We really do. I, I, you know, I, most of the time, when I, most, most days when I pray, unless my mind is distracted somewhere else. I, you know, I pray, God, let me have a heart of a pastor to love people. And let me have the spirit of the servant to put them first. And then I say, help me be kind, because I know I'm not kind. And then I say, Lord, and I know these individuals make it tough, so do something within their part so I don't have so much trouble. None of you are in that group. That group, you know, doesn't love Jesus enough to come on a Wednesday. <laughs> you got that. Look what he says in verse twenty five. Eat anything that is sold in the meat market. Without asking questions for conscience sake, I love that verse. Because I can eat anything in the meat butcher shop that I want. Praise God, I love that. So, earlier they were talking, Paul was dealing with the issue of going to a temple, a pagan temple to eat. Now, the issue is going to a private home. in the home of someone who may not be a father of Christ. I remember, these people... They had family members that were pagans. They worked pagans. You know, as a Christian, they're trying to lead pagans to Jesus so they may go. So it was not uncommon. They didn't go to restaurants. You know, There's not uncommon that you would eat with someone's So You'd be invited over. You'd go to their home. That was the way of life. And so, meat, <clears throat> me, you know, they, they didn't have refrigeration like we do. you you got your meat every day from the meat market. And the reality is, outside of the Jewish people, most pagans, meat had at one time been sacrificed to a pagan god now not all of it so you didn't know for sure so what paul is saying he says look anything that is sold in the meat market you can eat it with for conscience sake you can you can eat it without questions for your conscience so if you go buy a cut of meat just buy it don't ask don't ask don't ask what that cow was sacrificed to or that pig no, don't worry about, well, no, they wouldn't do pig if they were, well, the Gentiles would. Don't, don't worry about where the, where the lamb came from. Just buy it. And notice what he says in verse 26. He quotes Psalm 24.1. For the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. God made everything for us to enjoy. Over in Acts chapter 10, Peter had that vision. So we can eat anything now. It's all good to go. There are no more dietary restrictions. It drives me nuts when people say, well, you know, you, Christian, you know, some Christians say, well, we still follow the Jewish dietary laws. Why? It didn't apply to you. A, you're not Jewish. And B, even if you were in Christ, you should be set free from that in Acts chapter 10. And besides that, not too many things better than bacon. Let's be honest with that. You're missing out. God blessed us with bacon. Crispy bacon. You wrap that thing around a shrimp, which is also forbidden, you may be double-dipping into the Jewish uh, sin laws, but brother, you're gonna you're going feel good. And by the way, that's not cheap either. When you go to a restaurant, they, they man, they get you. They get you for sinning, don't they? <laughs> and notice what he says in verse 27. If one of the unbelievers invites you and you want to go, eat anything that is set before you without asking any questions for conscience sakes. When you go. And they put the food in front of you. Don't ask them, was it the sacrifice to an idol? Just enjoy. You're good to go. Don't worry about it. You're, you have freedom to do that. Uh, now, I still ask. I was, uh, when Debbie and I were in Bridgeport, there was a, a guy there He was a phenomenal chef. Uh, trained in Italy. He had an Italian restaurant. We got to be friends with he and his wife. We went to eat one night over their house. And she actually cooked. And there were some unbelievable things there. But... but they had Brussels sprouts, and then I had Brussels sprouts, and I thought, it's okay, because they had a lot of other stuff. I forget what we have. I, I think we were having some shrimp, and it looked like we were having potatoes, and Debbie had been in the kitchen, and she said, baby, that's cauliflower, and I'm going to tell you, cauliflower's a fraud. you don't know that, then you can find that out for thirteen ninety five in the cafe, so I said, I said, uh, I said is that potatoes that cauliflower? He said, it's cauliflower. I said, okay, you understand, I won't eat. She sure, know, no, you're fine. I still ask because they weren't pagans, so it was okay. <laughs> but when I lived on the border in Laredo and I'd go across to eat at some of the homes, some of them folks didn't have much money. I just ate. Joe, there's a missionary. He's, he's had to do that at time. He you time. Know, he served in Argentina and then there were a lot of other places he visited or claimed to visit. He knows, though, missionary prayer is like Lord just told me, get it down. So I'm like, hey, you, you don't ask. Don't ask what you eat. You know, more than one occasion I ate home with somebody, and I'm, a, I'm pretty picky. I just said, Lord, just get this done and don't, don't ask. I, that's biblical. But if anyone says to you, and I don't know why they would do this, this meat is sacrificed to idols and don't eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for conscience sake. Now, it could be, no one knows who this person is. Was it the person that invited you? I don't know why a pagan would invite you over to eat and said, oh, by the way, the meat I'm fixing to serve you was a sacrifice to an idol. I don't know. Maybe, maybe some say it was that person. Some say maybe it was another unbeliever who was with you, and they knew that, and they were concerned that they didn't want you to eat the wrong thing, so they told you, or whoever. But said once it's out that it was sacrificed to an idol, or to a, foreign, to a God that doesn't exist don't eat it. Now, why was Paul saying this? For conscience sake. And some people think for the sake of consciousness. Well, some people in the faith are weaker than others in terms of how they understand and process. things. You know, while it may not be a sin to eat that, because an idol is nothing at all apart, he said it. Some people will struggle with it. And if they struggle with it, you don't, you don't want to harm their conscience. In verse 29, he says, not your conscience. But the other man, so why is my freedom judged by another conscience? He's saying, I'll get to the second part in a minute, but think about the other person. So let me just share a minute. There are certain things I know that are okay. I don't have a problem with You know, I don't, I don't, I don't drink alcohol. Baptist pastor. You kind of know that when you sign up for it. If I wanted to drink, well, I'd go be a, a Methodist. Those guys drink like sailors on leave, man. But I understood, that, and I know there's nothing wrong, per se, with a little wine and beer. So if you drink, I don't, I don't care. I do not care. But you care if I drink, probably. And I know that as a pastor, if you saw me drink, that bothers you. Here's the thing. And I've seen Baptist pastors drink, and it bothers me. Because we know what we signed up for. If I go, if I go to a restaurant, so I, I go, I don't know, pick some place that I might go to eat. I go to, uh, I go to Chili's. But I go to Rudy's. I go to Rudy's all the time. And if I, I looked up one of the guys working back there and I said, you know, Jim Hugo, pull me a beer. I mean, pull out a, a long net, and give me a beer. And I went over there and t- drank it. And then someone walked in with their kids and they saw me. Do you not think that might have a bad taste in the mouth? What if, what if a young person saw their pastor drinking? Well, man, Dr. Burroughs drinks. I guess it's okay. Well, I'm a big old guy I can probably drink a beer or two and not affect me and have no idea because I've never done it in my life. But that young person may not be able to. I don't want that on my conscience. And, and so I, as the pastor of First Baptist Church, don't do certain things. I don't buy lottery cards either, No, I don't buy them for a lot of reasons. We were behind someone day in a convenience store. He must have bought, I don't know how many, 10 lottery cards. I said, dude, why don't you just give me 20 bucks, I'll give you five back and we'll both think we came out okay. You go ahead and play the lottery, and if you win, you, know, you give us 20%. There's t- normal 10%, and there's a sin tax on top of that. <laughs> Debbie and I have talked about going to Las Vegas, and I'm always like, nah. we love to gamble. We wouldn't gamble. But some of, y'all, some of the folks in our church heard that I went to Las Vegas, they, prob- they might assume I went to gamble, and that might, that might be hard for them. And so at some point, I just look and say, I need to think about people who aren't fathers of Christ, who are struggling, or people who have a weak faith. There are some things I need not to do. And, you know, it's not everything. Like someone said, well, I don't think you should play golf on Sunday after church. Well, that, that's no, nope. only hard shell babes think that it ain't going to affect them. They can drop dead for all I care on that. I'm not giving everything up. I mean, I'm giving up alcohol and gambling and lottery. Let me play golf right kind of now. Though. But we need to think. About who we're with. Now, I, I, you know, maybe if I'm off somewhere a hundred, you know, thousand mile, miles away, maybe it's different. You know, maybe, maybe uh, then I have some wine. I don't, but maybe then I do. I don't, but maybe then I do. And I ask the same thing of our staff. Don't do that, guys. If you're going to do that, leave somewhere else. I mean, go on vacation. You know, and you want to try it? That's fine. Or you know, deacons. I don't. I don't like deacons drinking. I know you can. I don't. I prefer you not because I think sometimes we have to put our rights aside to think about and, and, and as a pastor I have an obligation I never I don't take time off from being a pastor I, when I go on vacation I'm still a pastor this is not just my calling it's my life we're all still Christians you don't take a break from being a Christian If you're a follower of Christ, you don't get a break for being a follower of Christ. So how do you live your life when you're with people who don't have the strength of your faith? Now, Paul does this. For why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? I mean, he's saying I am free to live how I want, but I don't. Verse 30 says, if I partake with thankfulness, why am I slandered concerning that for which I give thanks? He said, well, you know, I, I, I praise God for what he gives me. You know, I, I should be able to live, you know, I, I have the freedom to live that way. He does. He says, I have the freedom to live that way. And maybe he's somewhere else, he would. But not in Corinth, at that situation. And notice what he says in verse 31, very famous verse whether then you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do you all for the glory of God? This gets taken out of context so much. People just throw that out there. And, and I got it. He's dealing with people who are concerned that something's been sacrificed to a pagan god that doesn't exist. And if participating in that meal, eating that meat offered to an idol, are you in somehow honoring that God that doesn't exist you're not but they think so he says so everything I do I'm gonna make sure I'm honoring God and we, t- we say that all the time honor God honor God honor God but he, he gives more specifics whatever you eat or you drink in other words when you're dealing with other people believers or unbelievers it's what you're doing in that moment in connection to them honoring God. Is it? And, that, and that's the thing to think about. That's the thing to, to focus on. And not, and not everybody, it's not the same for everyone. Because, because we're not all in exactly the same place in our faith. And that's okay. Okay. But think about your situation and the people you come in contact with who are believers or who are not believers. How do you honor God in your connecting with them? How do you honor God in your connecting with them? Verse 32, he says, So give no offense, either to Jews or to Greeks, Or to the church of God. So don't go out of your way. Understand, don't be offensive to Jews, Greeks, or the church. Now that's that's his tall order. Sometimes we're going to be offensive, especially to non-believers, by sharing the gospel. He's not talking about that. He's talking about in your habits. In the exercise of your freedom. I can't say, well, you know, if I preach about this subject this Sunday, well, there'll be some lost people there and they'll be offended so I can't do it. No, that's not, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying in the way I exercise my freedom. Don't be offensive. Not in how I share or if I share the truth of Scripture. How I share it, I don't be offensive either. So, you you always put things in their context. And, And so often we take, don't just rip this out of 1 Corinthians 10 and rip it out and just start applying this everywhere without the context that is there. The context is you in the exercising of your freedom dealing with people who are not believers or who don't have the confidence of faith you have. When I'm, a, when I'm alone with a couple, of, a couple of guys from our church my age, that we're friends with now from my past, you know, we're out playing golf or we're doing something. I, I might, and we're, but we're at a certain maturity level. There's conversations we have that, that I wouldn't have with someone who is not a firm believer in Christ or who's struggling, who's not a believer at all. I understand to gauge the level of my conversations. I'm not saying I I use bad language or anything like that. or tell bad jokes. Well, they may be bad, but I mean (laughs) clean jokes. Most of my jokes are pretty good, to be honest. I'm a pretty funny guy. But anyways, I understand the level of that. So when I'm with certain guys, I'm not as worried about what may be said. I'm not as guarded or careful for talking whatever subject we're talking as I might be with someone who's not a believer, or who was a young believer in the faith. I'm always trying to be aware of what happens. And if if I'm not aware, fortunately I have a wife who helps me with that. Notice what he says in verse 33. Just as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many. Now why does he do all of this? So they may be saved. That's the bottom line. We want to see people come to all those pagans. All those pagans in Corinth, lost and going to hell. And Paul's saying, what's more important? You exercising your right to eat a little filet mignon that's been sacrificed to a pagan god or them coming to Jesus. It's always, listen, always err on the side of people coming to Jesus. Always air that way. Now, what he says in chapter 11, verse 1, this is just classic Paul, because the chapter 11, verse 1 is really a part of the other section, and we're going to stop here. Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. What he's saying is follow my example. He's not saying this with arrogance. What he's saying is, guys, I got this from Jesus. We don't know how he got it from Jesus, doesn't matter. This is what the Lord's revealed to me. Follow my example. Do this, and your church will be good. We in our life need to listen to Paul when Paul reminds us and tells us, quit worrying all the time about your rights and quit worrying all the time about your freedoms in Christ. Think about people who don't know Jesus or who are new in the faith and their conscience may be a little fragile. And be careful what you say and what you do so that you don't damage their faith or hinder them from coming to faith. So we talk a lot for a very good reason about honoring God In helping people come to Christ. This is where that falls. This is why. Are we honoring God? Are we helping people come to or grow in their Christian walk? Let that mindset help you in how you live out your freedom in Jesus. Well, I'm going to let you go a little early today. Because I don't want to go any more verses. Because... I didn't study any more verses. And while I could do it without studying, but trust me, I ain't going to. We'll see y'all later.